The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023, day before Thanksgiving, my favorite holiday of the year. It is tomorrow, and I am so excited. I hope you are as well. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone Wade Bennett, and we are here inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio on a Wednesday afternoon. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back on a Wednesday afternoon on ESPN 106. Six seven, Uncle T. Happy Wednesday, brother. Thanksgiving's tomorrow. Oh, I love Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. Yes. And yeah, we got a couple hours, and then we'll start the uh, festivities and get ready for Turkey Day and getting full and watching football and spending time with your loved ones. There's nothing like it, and I can't, I can't stand it. You can't stand it. That's right. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm excited. Thanksgiving is my favorite. Favorite holiday. It's mine too, man. It is. It's my favorite holiday. I know everybody's like, what about Christmas, right? No, no. I love Christmas, but Thanksgiving is my favorite because it is, it's a day out of the year where everybody gets together. You just enjoy your time together, enjoy the food, enjoy the company, enjoy the sports. There's no gift giving, right? There's no money stress. There's no expectations, right? Everybody just gets together. And my dad told me this growing up, and he always said this, and I've carried it with me my entire life. You have the three F's of Thanksgiving, food, family, and football. And that's what really makes it special. I like to add basketball in there, but sports in general, right? Those are the things that make Thanksgiving so special, and I'm very thankful for for that. And we'll get into a lot of that later on as we go. But Wednesday of Iron Bowl week, and we said this yesterday as we were ending the show and going off the air, the first two days of this week were what they were, right? We were recapping and trying to find the words to put onto the radio waves of what in the world happened on Saturday back at Jordan-Hare Stadium when New Mexico State came to town. But we said yesterday that starting here today on Wednesday and carrying over into Friday, we are turning the page because this is Iron Bowl week. This is the best week of the year in college football. Rivalry weekend, Iron Bowl Saturday coming up. And Auburn is hosting in Jordan-Hare Stadium like it should be. Weather's going to be chilly. It's going to be nice. It's going to be great. Thanksgiving will be past us. And then you have Iron Bowl Saturday. And so that's what we're doing today. We're turning the page. We're talking Auburn-Alabama. We're recapping what we've seen in the past. We're recapping what we've seen this season. And we're previewing what could be a really good game on Saturday. Phone lines are open. Give us a call. 334-321-1390. Here's the schedule for the show today. We're talking Auburn, Alabama, right? We're going to preview the Iron Bowl all day today and all day Friday. 
We're going to make some picks for Thanksgiving tomorrow. There's a big college football game, of course, multiple NFL games. We want to make some fun picks there. Then uh, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, our usual Thursday guest, is going to join us on the show today because we're not doing shows tomorrow with it being Thanksgiving. So Chris will join us today at 2.30. He is a fan favorite guest, so we're looking forward to having him on at 2.30. And then Austin Hannon of Bama Central, our Alabama guy. You already know he's coming on on a rivalry Wednesday around here. No Jordan Hill uh, giving him the week off for Thanksgiving. He'll be back with us next week from Dogs 247, but it's Alabama week. And Austin wanted to come on. We want him to come on, and we're looking forward to that. So that'll be his normal day and time here on Rivalry Wednesday at 3.30. But around those guests, phone lines are open. How are you feeling now that we're getting into into Wednesday, now that we're starting to look at the game coming up on Saturday, Auburn and Alabama, the Iron Bowl, we want to hear your thoughts, your picks, your predictions, your feelings as we get closer and closer to the game on Saturday. 334-321-1390. Uncle T, Iron Bowl this Saturday, 10-year anniversary of the greatest finish in college football history With the kick six, that team will be commemorated at the game in 2013. That team will be there this Saturday. Um, It's a huge day. Weather's going to be nice. This could be a really special Saturday in Auburn. Hard to believe that the kick six in 2013 was 10 years ago. I remember it. That makes me feel old, and I'm not. Yeah. If it makes you feel old, how do you think it makes me feel? We don't don't have to go there. I mean, you know, Jacob, I think I've got underwear older than you. So, I mean, I'm telling you, the uh, kicks, I I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, Just Chris Davis, the whole game. You know, what people forget about that game, you know, because of the dramatic ending, was how good a football game that was. Yes. How good a football team Alabama was that season. Obviously, Auburn was red hot at the end of the season. It took an incredible play call. Nick, uh, Nick Marshall to Sammy Coates with about 35 seconds left in that game to even the score up. Um, Alabama had no answer on the last drive for Trey Mason, and, and we kept running it and running it and running it, and everyone's pulling their hair out. And we quickly moved the ball to midfield, and they faked the run to Mason one more time, thinking, the, you know, thinking we keep him. He had holes, but I'm telling you, uh, the clock was running, and, and I know I, I was like, you got to throw the ball, and just right at the perfect moment, they call the play from Nick Marshall to tuck it, act like he's running. It brings the defense a backup for Alabama, and Sammy Coates is wide open and runs down the uh, runs down the uh, sidelines. That's such an ath- an athletic play from Marshall because he flipped it in his hand right before he crossed over the line of scrimmage and just tossed it to Sammy I, Coates for a touchdown. I'm going to tell you, it's the epitome of Nick Marshall and his athleticism at quarterback, and it's also probably the primary reason why Saban and other coaches pushed to change the rule with linemen down. The the field up until that well up to that point you could have you could be five yards down the line uh past the line of scrimmage excuse mm-hmm. me blocking and then I think they changed it to three after uh, after that play in particular I can remember listening to the Alabama post game show afterwards flipping around I had made it home to watch the end I was not in the stadium I'd been there earlier and left because I just have a hard time concentrating and figuring out what's going on watching things live that was a bad move, Uncle T, but whatever. Oh, it's um, all right. Hey, our friend Ben Taylor was at the the prayer at Jordan Hare, and he left at halftime. Yeah, so, so I mean, it is what it is. Um, but I'd made it home quickly. 
Listen to a lot of post-game from Auburn after the game. Listen to a post-game Alabama that had Eli Gould. It had Phil Savage on there, former director of the Senior Bowl, former NFL coach, longtime friend and ally of Nick Saban. Basically call that play street ball, and you knew at that point that the rules were probably going to get changed because Auburn had gotten, gotten over on Alabama, but – Nevertheless, it was a heck of a wonderful play, a heck of a wonderful time. If you have time, go over to RadioFreeAuburn.com. That's my website. I'm going to have uh, multiple blogs out this week, and I have one that I wrote this morning called Iron Bowl Years Ending in Three Favor AU. It's about the number three, and this is mm-hmm. a perfect example of it. Auburn 7-3 and three historically, Jacob, in Iron Bowls ending in three. And believe it or not, the very first time these two teams got to – got together in 1893, a year after our first game against Georgia in 1892. They played twice, and Auburn won them both uh, once in February and once in November. So three years ending in three have been kind to the Tigers. It's the odd year where things can happen for Auburn in the Iron Bowl. We got a couple of phone calls. Let's get to those now. 334-321-1390. And we begin with Joe and Auburn. Joe, you're on the line. What's up? Uh, yeah, um, there was a call yesterday. Uh, a man called in. And he said that the job, at, the coaching job at Auburn, was probably the hardest job in America. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yep. Well, uh, I basically agree with what he said, but I could think of one that's just as hard, or maybe more difficult. Okay. And that would be the job at Mississippi State. I think that's probably a fair argument because the especially with the with the divisions of the SEC that have been for a long time. I mean, they literally play Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A and M every single Ole Miss every single year. Right, exactly. And another thing is Mississippi State is not expected to ever really to be to compete. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you recruit when players know that? So I think it is a difficult job there. Not that it's any more difficult than Auburn, but I think it's a very difficult job. I think that's fair. Yeah, well the good news for Mississippi State and whomever takes that job is the expectation, like you said, it's not what it is at Auburn compared and compared to other SEC jobs like at Alabama or Georgia. That being said, uh, the stakes have been risen for all teams in college football. The money and what's up for grabs now um, is beyond anything that we've seen historically. So it still matters, and you can see that it matters, and expectations are real that Zach Arnett didn't even make it through his first full year as head coach over there. True. Absolutely correct. And I wanted to say one other thing about uh, Auburn's quarterback, Mm -hmm. uh, Peyton Thorne, you know, you just get the distinct impression the guy is not tough enough to play SEC football, and I, I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, he runs, he'll run out of bounds, he will not run for the uh, line to gain, and uh, i just just hang up and see what you have to say about that. I, Thank you for letting me call. Yeah, appreciate the call, Joe. 334-321-1390. Before we get to Ed, I want to comment on that really quickly. Um, that has that has been a, a thing with Peyton Thorne a lot this year is um, people have, and myself included, have questioned his – I don't know if toughness is the word I'm looking for. Maybe his, his dedication, right, his care of, hey, I have another yard to get. Let me lower my shoulder and try to get it rather than step out of bounds and 
I think take a third yeah. down or punt the ball. I mean, he that has happened on numerous occasions. This is not just a one-off thing where people are going nuts over this. This has been an all-year problem with Peyton Thorne that I've had tons of callers on this show talk about. The only problem that I really had with it was in the uh, Texas A&M game. I think we went up for it on fourth, fourth down, and he didn't extend for that first down, although I still don't think he'd have made it. Um, I don't really think that it's Peyton Thorne's job, though, to go out there and go Cam Newton and lower the boom on defensive backs. I mean, in key moments, I think as the year's gone on, he's gotten much better about seeking out that first down than earlier in the season. But I'm gonna, you know, let's 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 not sell the kids short. I mean, Peyton Thorne, you know, is. Uh, I don't want to say you're more traditional type quarterback, but like I said, I mean, you've got people like KJ. Are you comparing him to KJ Jefferson, Cam Newton, Jalen Milrow? I mean, those are practically running backs mm-hmm. playing quarterback. He's a true quarterback. And uh, I think that he's gotten tougher and tougher as the year's gone on. Well, let me say this too. If Peyton Thorne were to get hurt at any time this go. season, where would Auburn be, right? Because. We know that Robbie Ashford had his chances and, and couldn't really pull it through, and maybe he didn't get the fairest of shakes. That's everybody's, I mean, up for opinion, right? But at the same time, if Peyton Thorne gets hurt, where do you go? You either go to Robbie, who hasn't fully proven it and, and will not get that chance. I don't even think he'll be here next year. And then your other one is Holden Gurner, who has impressed but hasn't done a whole lot and doesn't have a ton of experience. And so I think it's a double-edged sword where, yeah, you want to see Peyton Thorne play a little tougher and go for the first downs. But, man, if this dude breaks his shoulder or collarbone or something, Auburn would have been done weeks ago. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, if, if that were to occur, and you ha- and you have and then Auburn must go with Ashford, right? And if they go with Ashford, then you're going to be looking at the type of offense that you saw at the end of last season that Carnell Williams and Will Friend put in within a week. It wasn't the worst offense in the world, especially under the circumstances, and they moved the ball fairly well against Alabama last year with that offense. But that is a very limited offense. They've already said it that with Robbie Ashford at times, they were just running 50% of the offense when they were doing the quarterback shuffle, running 50% of the offense with Peyton Thorne. As the season's progressed, you've seen Auburn get more dynamic on offense outside of last Saturday with Peyton Thorne at quarterback, and they've installed more and more of the entire offense as the season's progressed. Remember, and I cannot say this, I cannot say this any more times than I've said it before, and I know you're tired of hearing it out there in radio land. This team has only been together since August. You've got to give these kids some time you got to be a little bit more patient. I mean, we had a big argument yesterday about the patience of Auburn fans. Yeah. But please remember, folks, this team in full has not been together since August mm-hmm. of this year, not yeah. last year. Yeah. So, you know, under the circumstances, I think Thorne's been a work in progress. This entire offense has been a work in progress. I'm not going to question his toughness now here at the end of the year. I think he's been playing at a pretty, pretty tough level. Oh, going back to the LSU at the end of the LSU game. Let's get to our first break here in hour number one, 334-321-1390. We're going to get to the phone lines when we come back. Plus, we'll make some picks for some Thanksgiving football games coming up tomorrow. That'll be here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. 
Let's get to the phone lines. Got a couple of people waiting here on a Wednesday afternoon. 334-321-1390. And we begin with Spectre. You're on the line with Uncle T-Bone and Jacob. Hello, guys. Uh, well, it looks like uh, Alabama's got a weakness. It's going to be in their, their rushing game. I think you're right. I totally agree with that, Spectre. Uh, Auburn, I think, would be a – if they can't do anything in the air, they should go with their rushing attack. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to put Thorne at a – in a situation where he's going to do RPOs and stuff like that, I think the best thing would be to put Robbie in. Now, wait a minute. Don't get, don't get like, oh, here we go again. Robbie has got experience against Alabama. And any player on Auburn's staff, not staff, but any of the players mm-hmm. have experience, they should be on that field. Uh, I'm trying to give us every chance to win this game. You understand that, right? No, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and look, I, I'm with you to an extent. Okay, Spectre, we're, we're going to have to pull out all the stops here. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and that doesn't mean you run the triple reverse, the the sugar huddle reverse, and all these crazy <laughs> plays. But whatever regular ways you have to move the ball consistently against Alabama in this Iron Bowl, you better you better pull out all the stops. And if that means going back to a quarterback rotation, if it's working, hush up, folks. And let the coaches do their job. Last year, Robbie Ashford against Alabama went 11 of 23 for 77 yards and a touchdown. That's the big problem, though. You can't keep Robbie Ashford in there the entire game because they're going to load the box up. And you might get away with a couple of passes that go for touchdowns, but they're going to eventually, with Alabama, shut that down. You're going to have to pick your battles with that technique and that strategy, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Uh, one other thing, this is also one thing we'll have to have to win this game. We're going to have to have a kick six, a miracle in Jordan hair, and a punt, Bama punt. Are you saying all that in one? <laughs> in one all game? That in one in one game. <laughs> well, I, you know, it, it, it very well may take something like that or a freak play, you know, the, the tip drill, yeah. inter, uh, the tip drill touchdowns or, or whatever. I mean, it, you just never know. And, and when Auburn is as big of an underdog as they are, yeah, I mean, sometimes it takes freak plays that the, to beat a team like Alabama, and, and Auburn may get one in Jordan Hare on Saturday. I'm going to pull for him. I'm going to try to do everything I can to do some mojo on Alabama. There you go. There you go. I'm sure they appreciate that. All right, guys. That's all I got. Appreciate it, Spectre. Thanks for the call. 334-321-1390. Let's get to the phone lines again. Terry, you're on the line. What's up? Hey, hey, Jacob. Hey, T-Bone. How y'all doing? We're doing great, um, man. Let me let me say this. Alabama's brought better teams in here and lost. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, 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 yeah. they have beaten nobody that they're equal. The only team they played that they're equal is Texas, and they beat them. Terry, uh, so. while we're on that, did you see what Greg McElroy said yesterday about the playoff? I think that was really interesting. Did you hear his comments? Yeah. Uh. He was talking about, I don't know if it got brought up on his show up on Jocks or if it was a podcast he was on, a TV stint. I don't know where it was. Um, but he talked about the Alabama and Texas game and the discussion where – if there's a if there's a debate between Alabama and Texas getting into the playoff, he said that game has to matter. Absolutely. He said because there's a lot of people trying to make an argument right now for Alabama to get in over Texas if both are in the same situation. And out of all people, look, 
I, I like Greg McElroy, man. He is. I know he's an Alabama guy, but he tells it like it is. And he said that game has to matter. And if you throw that game out and let Alabama sneak in past Texas, if the situations are equal and you throw out that game back in the second game of the year, then why even play the game? And I thought that was really good by, by him. Yeah, Jake, I remember he was a Texas guy before he was an Alabama guy. He's from Texas. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, you know, now as far as Peyton Thorne goes, guys, y'all know this. Both of y'all know this as well as I do. Peyton Thorne was not their first choice at quarterback. Out of the portal? Out of the portal. Now, I'm not saying I don't disagree with anything said. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with everything that's been said, but he was not their first choice. You guys know that. That's not my opinion. That's a fact. I mean, I, I'm with you, my man. I'm, and look, whether he's our first choice or our, our fifth choice or whatever, he is our number one choice right now. He Absolutely. is our quarterback, and Auburn fans need to get behind him, especially this weekend. You know, we'll all agree that Jalen Milrow is a heck of a quarterback and having a good season and getting better and better. And, no, I'll tell you what, he's a heck of a runner. Well, that's true. I mean, he is that. He does throw a pretty deep ball as well, and he is a heck of a runner. He's a heck of an athlete. Let's just put it like that, yeah. okay? Which quarterback has more yards rushing this year? I don't know. I, I didn't look Peyton Thorne has 463 yards rushing. He's number 16th in the SEC. Milrow has 332, number 24. Now, look, the follow-up question is, if you had to have a run, who would you rather have the ball, Milrow or Thorne? But Peyton Thorne has produced this year. In my opinion, he was the entire offense last Saturday night. Don't want to go back to that discussion. And uh, I think he's progressed pretty nicely for a guy, like I said, who got here in August to a completely new system, right. completely new league. Right. So, you know, Auburn fans might want to lay off Peyton Thorne. He's doing a good job, and we're going to need him to make some big plays Saturday, in my opinion, if we're going to win this football game. Yeah, and, and last thing, T-Bone, you were talking about the pass that Nick Marshall made to Sammy Coates. Well, I'll never forget about that pass when anything was the belly-aching crybaby on the Alabama Network, Phil Savage, I think his name was. That's Phil Savage, sir. Complaining about how he was over the line and finally to the point where they had to call him down to him to shut up because he was going on and on about it. Yeah, he, he was, was definitely not over the line. Not over the line but it he, was close. No, he wasn't. But he did refer to that play in Malzahn style as, uh, quote, street ball. And that's when I knew we were over the target. Y'all have a good weekend. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, Terry. Happy you too. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family as well. 334-321-1390. I'm actually going to shut those down for a little bit because we're about to have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He'll join us in just a couple of minutes. But let's make some picks really quickly here, sure. uh, T-Bone, for the games coming up tomorrow on Thanksgiving. One big college game that always happens. I love this game being on Thanksgiving night, the Egg Bowl between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I love when it's on Thanksgiving night. It's everybody's kind of winding down. You're getting your leftovers, right? You're heating up a plate, getting something to drink, and you sit down and you're watching Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And I know there's some NFL games. We'll try to get to those as well. But what do you think about this Egg Bowl going on tomorrow night? Always a great football game. These two teams do not like each other. There's been some memorable moments in the Egg Bowl. Uh, it, I'm looking at www.scoresandodds.com. Believe it or not, Mississippi State, according to this site, came out as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. That's now completely gone. 
in Ole Miss's favor to the Rebels being 10 Mississippi and a half. State open as a favorite? It's what it says right here at scoresandodds.com. Oh, number my gosh. Nevada, official Nevada rotation number 111, 112. You can check it out yourself. You're I'm a rich reading. man if you jumped on that. So, yeah, you'd have had to move quickly to catch that line and try and middle that. Uh, but we're, now we're talking about advanced calculus, so let's just bring it on <laughs> back a little bit. The over-under came out, Jacob, at 61 and a half and has – plummeted like Enron stock to 54 and a half. I think the Bulldogs keep this one within the number. Will Rogers is back there at home. It'll be at night. Those cowbells will be ringing. Lane Kiffin's involved in a lawsuit. I think that has an effect on him and his psychological well-being. Rebels trying to get to six and six. Can you believe it? They had to fire their coach and they may be bowl bound. Wow. That's a lot to play for right there. I'll take mm. that ten and a half right here, right now. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, people that listen to this program know that I was I was I wouldn't say high on Mississippi State, but I was confident in that team and that program. And now they're welcoming Ole Miss in on a Thursday night, Thanksgiving. That place is so weird to play with the cowbells and everything. It's crazy those are still legal, but whatever. You know what? Yeah, they may not be street legal. (laughs) No, I don't think they are. You know what? Here we go. Just for whatever, I'll say Mississippi State covers. They'll keep this thing within eight points is my prediction. It'll take a late, weird game winning drive for Ole Miss to win this football game. Do you think they can win this game outright? No. I don't think so. We'll see. It might come down to a last-second field goal for those Johnny Rebs to cover and to win this one in Starkville. Well, we'll ask Chris Gordy what he thinks about the Egg Bowl and the Iron Bowl and everything else going on around the SEC when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line. With Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. It's Rivalry Wednesday because it's Rivalry Week around here on the Plains. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. And welcoming in our usual Thursday guest, but we decided to give him Thanksgiving off and he was able to come on today at 2.30. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, joins us on the phone lines. Chris, uh, great to talk to you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and we appreciate you coming on the show yeah sure thing man i would probably be in a turkey coma this time tomorrow so i'm uh, glad we moved days yeah well um we're we're not actually doing a show tomorrow and so i wanted to get you on i mean we have you on each and every week talking all things sec and this is the week to have you on uh when it it is rivalry weekend coming up in college football and of course we're going to get to the iron bowl in just a second we'll get to things that have happened in the past but we got to start with the game coming up tomorrow on thanksgiving Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the Egg Bowl in Stark Vegas, 6.30 on ESPN. Can Mississippi State hang around in this game without their head coach that got fired a couple weeks ago? What's your thoughts here? Yeah, they, they certainly can. And, you know, some of the some of these games in recent years have been pretty close. It's decided by one score or less. So, um, you know, last year Mississippi State, fortunate enough to win it. Uh, I think this is a big game for Lane Kiffin because – you know, it's he's had a great season there at Ole Miss. Uh, only losses have come what on the road at Alabama and at Georgia, the two best teams in the SEC. So, not bad losses there. But 
he's got to win this one because this one gets him to 10 wins. That's a second 10-win season in the last three years. And really, I think, just solidifies him as, hey, uh, the SEC is not too big for me, where you know, some people were kind of skeptical, skeptical to hire when Ole Miss hired him. But, um, you know, on the, on the other side, Mississippi State has nothing to lose. I mean, Greg Knox, their interim coach, they got the win over, the, over Southern Miss a week ago, and they're getting healthy at the right time. They got Will Rogers back last week. He looked pretty good. Uh, they got Tulu Griffin a touchdown. They got Woody Marks a touchdown. So, uh, and then defensively, Jet Johnson and Bookie Watson are, are two of the best tacklers in the SEC. And Jet Johnson's got the distinction of doing something that hasn't happened in over a decade. If he uh, is the leading tackler for Mississippi State on Saturday, he will put together back-to-back uh, seasons where he's the leading tackler in the SEC. And, and that hasn't happened since Danny Trevathan did that at Kentucky back in 2011. So, um, you know, Mississippi State's got some pieces. They've got some dogs. Uh, they're just going to need some things to go their way. I mean, Ole Miss, obviously, Quinshaw Judkins in the run game, the way Jackson Dart's playing, like, they're going to score some points. But I was looking back last year, I think they held Ole Miss to like 22, 24 points. And if I'm Mississippi State, the recipe for the upset is keep this low scoring. Chris, three o'clock on Friday, post Thanksgiving, nine and two Missouri will travel to a very cold and windy Fayetteville to take on the Hogs. Sam, Sam Pittman keeping his job. And I think most of the SEC is happy of that, about that, that he's a, everyone, you know, thinks a lot of Coach Pittman. Tiger's given up about a touchdown here, a little bit more, according to whatever you're looking at. Any chance Arkansas can uh, spring the upset here in Fayetteville? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. This one actually kind of mirrors the, the, the egg bowl a little bit. Like, you've got a coach in, in Sam Pittman who already has a reassurance that he's safe next year. So, you know, he's not coaching for his job where, you know, if they hadn't given him that reassurance, it he would have been a little bit nervous. Um, and, and on the flip side, it's it's a Mizzou team that's been very good. I think you know, Eli Drinkwitz is my pick for SEC Coach of the Year. I think he's been phenomenal this year, getting the most out of Brady Cook and Luther Burden in year two, and you know Cody Schrader, the leading rusher in the SEC, a former Truman State running back. I mean, that's just unbelievable. So um, this is a big game for Mizzou. They got to win it, but again, dangerous because Arkansas's got nothing to lose. Like Sam Pittman, win or lose, he's back next year. So they can kind of let it all hang out, go for it on fourth downs, and you know, t- kind of take some gambles. And so a dangerous game for Mizzou, but again, one I think they need to win because. You know, both Kiffin and Drinkwitz getting that 10 win mark and in play for a New Year's Six Bowl, I think is huge for both those schools. Well, some big games coming up on Saturday with rivalry weekend in the SEC, but have to flash back just a hair uh, to last week and what happened in this conference. Of course, uh, we want to get your quick thoughts. We're trying to we're trying to quickly forget about it here, Chris. But of course, New Mexico State coming and beating Auburn here on the plains. Georgia handling Tennessee, um, and uh, yeah, that was pretty much all that happened last week. But two pretty big games uh, as we get back into rivalry weekend. Yeah, pretty hideous loss. I mean, it just can't happen um, for an Auburn team that had all the momentum going in their favor had been playing so well in recent weeks. And, you know, I think we really thought, had they won that game in dominating fashion, I think a lot of people would be jumping on the Auburn uh, bandwagon this week to upset them in the Iron Bowl. Um, I don't think that game changes much about this game. Like, if you were going to pick Auburn in the upset – uh, anyway, I don't think losing to New Mexico State changes anything. And, and Paul Feinbaum kind of said as much. He's like, look, it's 
it's a bad loss. It sucks, but it doesn't change anything about this game. In fact, I think maybe it gets Auburn even more focused going, hey, that's inexcusable. We got upset last week against an inferior opponent. Let's all get refocused and, and, and worry about the little things and take care of the little details this week going into the Bama game. And again, it's a it's an Auburn team that has nothing to lose. You're underdogs, so you know, everybody's picking you to lose. But Alabama, this is playing for a right, you know, to possibly still make the playoff. And so I'm sure Auburn fans would love nothing more than to spoil their season and, and knock them out before they go play the SEC championship game against Georgia. So um I, I still think there's a chance. You know, I think uh, if Auburn takes care of the football, Peyton Thorne's going to have to play one of his better games of the year. But I just I couldn't believe how Auburn couldn't run the football last week after Jarquez Hunter had had back-to-back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. They just they could not move the ball on the ground, and it was just so weird to see. But uh, that said, this is not one of the most dominant Alabama defenses ever. You know, this isn't like when they used to win games 50-3. to uh, Kentucky scored 21 on this team, so – you know, I think Auburn's got a chance, and the, the crowd at Jordan Hare is going to keep him in it, no doubt. Chris, up in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, I've looked at this game every which way but loose. I still can't figure out and get a good feel here. I kind of like the Wildcats heading over to Louisville, number 10 Louisville. Possible trap game with Louisville going to the uh, ACC championship game with you know probably less than a 1% to 2% uh, chance, but still a chance of getting into the – uh, BCS Final Four. What do you think about this game uh, with the Cardinals hosting the Wildcats? Yeah, that's kind of been the sexy pick. I've been hearing some people say, you know, I, I've talked to some people say, what's your upset in the SEC this week? And a lot of people are jumping on Kentucky. I've just, my, my wife went to Kentucky. We watch every one of their games every week. I just, I've been very unimpressed. I mean, I've been disappointed by Devin Leary. He's not been that big transfer. Uh, from NC State, he was supposed to take them to another level with Liam Cohen coming back as their OC. It just hasn't clicked, and they've lost some of these games. They have no business losing. You're not supposed to lose to South Carolina. You're not supposed to lose to, uh, you know, honestly, Missouri. Like, Kentucky thinks of themselves on another level uh, above those teams. And, uh, you know, for Ray Davis being as good as he was, he was a top-five rusher in the SEC a year ago at Vanderbilt, and here he is a top-five rusher this year in the SEC, uh, still at Kentucky. But it's just they haven't found consistency on offense. And the defense has not been very good. And kind of inexcusable for Mark Stoops, who's a $9 million a year coach. I mean, look, 6-6, six and 7-5, six, and five, that's great for Kentucky. But when they're going to pay him and make him one of the highest paid coaches in college football, he needs to go out and, and earn that paycheck. And he hasn't done that so far. So uh, I'm picking Louisville to win. I think, you know, if this game were in Lexington, I might lean the other way. But – I just I don't see it. Kentucky's been so inconsistent offensively all year. I just I don't see them winning this one. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here during the Wednesday edition of On the Line, our usual Thursday guest, but adjusting with the Thanksgiving holiday. He's with us here on the Wednesday afternoon. Jaden Daniels, still in the Heisman conversation. Many think he should be the leader in the clubhouse with almost 3,600 yards, 36 touchdowns, and just four interceptions. They're hosting Texas A&M without Jimbo Fisher. Um, LSU favored by double digits in Baton Rouge early on Saturday morning morning what a weird game and matchup this could be can texas a&m show up and be motivated or does Jaden daniels have another heisman moment in him well i think he's going to need a heisman moment if he if he wants to win it and you know what does that look like well texas a and is one of the best defensive fronts not only in the sec but in the country i mean jamar stewart and cooper and all those guys up front they they get after it and um 
it, it's going to be a tough test. And on the flip side, LSU's defense is awful. And, you know, the Jalen Henderson, the uh, transfer quarterback that's been playing for Max Johnson, it still sounds like Max Johnson's day-to-day and sounds like he's not going to play. So they're going to have to lean on Jalen again. And he was, he was airing the ball out the last couple of weeks. So I think a and going to score some points. And it's going to be kind of the onus back on Jaden to – respond and, you know, max them score for score. I, I think if he does something, let's say throws for 300, runs for 100, and has five combined touchdowns, I think that's enough against a really good defense to say uh, he should still be the front runner for the Heisman. Now, you're starting to see a lot of people throwing the Bo Nix and, um, you know, Michael Penick stuff around it. And both those guys have been great, but they've not been special. I mean, what's been the special moment for – for either of those guys. For, for Jaden Daniels, every week he does something that wows you with his running ability, uh, his ability to throw the deep ball better than just about anybody in college football this year. And he's doing against SEC competition. I, I like to point out, Bo Nix ran scared from the SEC to go to the easy Pac-12 to go uh, throw it against inferior opponents. Jaden Daniels did the opposite. He left the Pac-12 to come to the harder test of playing the SEC, and he has dazzled us this wow. year. So, yes! How's that got, taste? Well, when we got idiots like Ryan Leaf out there saying Jaden Daniels would sit on the bench at either Washington or Oregon, you washed up hack Ryan Leaf wouldn't know a good quarterback play if it hits you in the freaking face. So, uh, yeah, Jaden Daniels deserves to win the Heisman, and Ryan Leaf deserves to shut his freaking mouth. Boom! How about that? Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, Ryan Leaf. <laughs> Tell it like it is, I Mr. Gordy. It. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Well, Chris, um, to kind of loop it back to the Iron Bowl quickly before we let you get out of here, Auburn, Alabama, we know how special this game is. We know crazy things have happened here. Ten years ago uh, was the kick six uh, in Jordan-Hare Stadium. We're back here on the Plains this weekend. Alabama catching two touchdowns over Auburn. How can Auburn upset this team, and what happens if Alabama wins and goes on to Atlanta and continues to have their winning ways? Just kind of wrap it all up for us in your mind. Yeah, I mean, one, first things first, again, like this is a game that Alabama's heavily favored and they're supposed to win. But I almost look at it as you got to bring them, you got to pull them down the dirt, kind of like that game two years ago that uh, idiot Brian Harson blew that he, that he should have won. Um, Got to keep it low scoring. And, and Jalen Milrow, obviously, he's gotten better as the weeks have gone along as, as a runner and a passer. But I can't give up those easy scores. If I'm Auburn, I got to defend the receivers one on one and force Jalen Milrow into some mistakes. I mean, we saw him do that earlier in the year. He was prone for a bad interception, uh, you know, a lost fumble. He even did it in that Kentucky game where they were blowing out Kentucky right before half. He threw an inexcusable interception. Yeah. Those are the kind of plays that Auburn's going to have to make. Uh, and keep this thing, you know, maybe not in the 20s, but, you know, maybe like a 31-30 uh, type game. Like one of those games where, like, if Bama's scoring 40, they're going to win the game. Put it that, put it as simple as that. So you kind of got to keep it close, play close to the vest, play ball control a little bit. I do think Auburn will be able to run the football a little bit on Alabama. It's, to me, it's just going to come down to Peyton Thorne. And, you know, we, we, we saw it. You know, uh, Auburn, Peyton Thorne's legs against Georgia. He was able to keep some drives alive and sustain some long drives. They're going to have to do that against Alabama. I think they can have some, some success doing so. 
Auburn and Alabama this weekend. It's rivalry weekend all over college football and the SEC, and nobody covers it better than Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Man, we appreciate you adjusting for us. Uh, looking forward to having you back on the show next Thursday to recap this crazy weekend as we're getting into uh, conference championships and, of course, college basketball as well, man. We appreciate you. Plug everything you got going on and where people can find you. Yeah, Locked On SEC, wherever you get your podcast. We uh, got an episode coming up tomorrow with our buddy Stephen Willis, host of Locked On Ole Miss. We're going to preview the uh, the Egg Bowl with him, and then we'll be making our picks going into the weekend on Friday. And uh, no days off here for Locked On SEC. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, Riley. <laughs> well, man, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family as well, Chris. Great to hear from you, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, That's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, coming in hot on a Wednesday. I love it, man. Yeah, I, I mean, love it. Somebody needs to remind uh, Chris Gordy possibly that this is the holidays and you can go a little bit easier, man. I mean, he came <laughs> in uh, hard and fast, Jacob, like we live our lives. That's right. Well, that is Chris every time we get him on. That is not an act, folks. That is Chris Gordy wrapped up in a bow right there on the holiday season and so go check him out locked on sec wherever you get your podcast free on youtube and any podcasting platform we'll take our final break come back and wrap up hour number one here on the wednesday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Wrapping up our number one, let's get to the phone lines once again. 334-321-1390. And J-Mac, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, guys. Um, look, in games like this that Auburn's got, which is you got nothing to lose, I mean, if you're them. So there's coaches that realize that, and they, they, they put wrinkles in the offense. They pull out the stops because they, they know the situation. And mm-hmm. then you've got coaches who are so rigidly – you know, I adhere to their their offense, but they're not going to change. They they take it as an affront to their pride or something. I don't know. So, which do you think Freeze is? It's a good it's mm. a good point. I think in a game like this, coming off a game that we just saw. And what we know Hugh Freeze to be as an offensive head coach, I would like to think that he's the guy that puts in a few wrinkles this week, puts in a few new things, has complete control of the game plan especially on offense, and is going to throw everything he can from the football facility at this Alabama team. It doesn't matter if it's a shoe, a sink, whatever. He's going to throw it at him and try to get this win. You would hope so. You would hope so. And, and, and to backtrack a few callers ago, I mean, Thorne's toughness is, is the least of his problems, I think. I mean, um, he missed some wide-open receivers. He didn't even attempt to throw some wide-open receivers last week. Yeah, you're, you're, that's a really a, good point. He took sacks. Checked down to a covered uh, running back, uh, and they were just running wide. And you could see Freeze was just kind of just not you know, disgusted when mm-hmm. it, when it when it happened. You know, he's just really frustrated when he just guys running open down the middle, and and he just won't throw it. It just, just wasn't throwing the ball. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand what's in his head. But yeah, I mean, he's got bigger problems than his toughness. So thanks. Yeah, appreciate the call. Yeah, appreciate the call, J-Mac. Look, uh, he's gotta, right. Yeah, I mean, he did go 15 of 19, but he did check down a little bit too much. I, I did. I was there. I did not see the wide-open guys throughout the game. I mean, there was one time he hit a, a wide-open tight end 
Um, and the guy dropped the ball as well. So, I mean, that's that's been a recurring theme all year is drop passes. Which but is- I'll say this. I did see some multiple plays where guys, if he had let it, if the play could have developed for another second or two, right. the throw was there and he could have made it. But I think there are other factors there and not just on Peyton Thorne. Yeah, I mean, there, he was under a, a little bit of duress Saturday night, to say the least. I've got a lot of thoughts on the offense, and why don't we, after the break, get back, mm-hmm. start the next, the second hour with how, you know, offensively and defensively Auburn can not only stay in this game, but win the game. But to get to J-Mac real quick and the wrinkles, that is that is something that I want to see more of this weekend, Jacob Goins. I've got to see – us get into motion, into shifts, into bunches. That's not just being exotic and throwing the kitchen sink at somebody. That's just regular old, good old-fashioned 2023 offense for most teams. And I didn't see any of that Saturday night. It was it was straight base. But they had started to do that a little bit in those three games in that winning streak. And that's where a lot of people, ourselves included, have gotten a little confused right you're like you're just you're left scratching your head after what happened on against new mexico state on saturday you're like where did all of that go where was that and i think i have a pretty good idea but well you're right we talked about that in nauseam the last couple of days i mean there's no need they were in base and they thought they're gonna roll out there and take care of business not show anything and 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 we all agree now right that auburn is just not good enough of a program right now personnel-wise or maturity-wise to do so. Exactly. And so in this game, yeah, you need to do all of that stuff. And here's the thing. Here's the big question there. Does this team have the ability to do that and more? Because that's what it's going to take to beat Alabama. It takes what you were doing in that three-game winning streak when you beat Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas, the bottom feeders of this conference. It's going to take all of that and then some to beat this Alabama team because I know they're not as talented as they have been in the past. This is uh, somebody said it earlier. It's by far not the most talented team they've brought in here, but they're still a top 10 team and they're threatening to make the college football playoff. So you have to do something to beat them. Well, generally when they bring in a talented football team into Jordan Hare and we're not so talented, the game gets out of hand a la 2011. They've had their way a couple of times here on the Plains. We'll continue to talk about that coming up in hour number two. Plus, Austin Hannon of Bama Central, our Alabama writer who joins us every Rivalry Wednesday. He joins us here on Iron Bowl Week. That's all coming up in hour number two here on ESPN 106.7. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, you know where to find the podcast and on demand at this point, don't you? Go to ESPNAU.com and we post it commercial free after each and every show. Uh, So be sure you go and find that or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast lots of great phone calls in hour number one we made our egg bowl predictions for the uh, game coming up tomorrow on thanksgiving night and we had chris gordy host of the locked on sec podcast he joins us on thursdays in the afternoons uh, but we adjusted with us not having a show tomorrow for thanksgiving and he was able to come on today so we really do appreciate that so that was all in the first hour Coming up here in hour number two, we're about to get to the phone lines once again and would love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We're going to continue talking Auburn and Alabama in the Iron Bowl coming up this Saturday. And then no better way to do that than have Austin Hannon of Bama Central, our usual Wednesday guest here on Rivalry Wednesday. He'll join us at 3.30 to give us his thoughts on the Alabama-Auburn game coming up this Saturday. 334-321-1390. Spectre, you got a question, man. And what is it? Well, you know, normally Wednesday is my hump day for for football. Yeah, I, I leave the I leave the last game behind on Wednesday and start concentrating on the next game. Yeah, that's what we're trying but, to do. But, but yeah, there was a question yesterday, uh, not a question, a comment yesterday by Dak. Is that his name, Dak? Uh, Dak, yeah, Dak from Columbus. Uh huh. Okay, he he mentioned that um, somebody had told him that they they that the uh, assistant coaches were telling them that the twos and threes were going to get significant playing time. Mm-hmm. All right. So let me get the, let me get my question out. Okay. Um, if that's true, that means that tells me that from, from the, what I saw on the field, that the ones did not really work together as a unit, that the ones, twos and threes actually work together as a unit. Well, at some point during the game, how come they didn't go to that? How come they didn't just put the ones, twos, and threes out there to see what they could do since they were practicing during the week? It's a great question. I mean, that's really getting deep in the weeds there, Specter. I'll <laughs> it tell is. you this. One thing that I was extremely disappointed in Saturday was not seeing Jeremiah Cobb. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a weapon. He's, and, you know, I know he's a young you – know, there's plenty of running backs in front of him. There's Hunter, who only got eight carries. You know, there's Demario Austin. You know, there's Brian Batte, but but you know, I, it's like this to me, especially in any sport. You know, basketballs are like this. You know, you, you got your five out there, and 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 they're just not jiving. Bring somebody off the bench and see if you can't get a spark. Right. Uh, that was the question when I heard that from Dad. I said, "My Lord, if that's true, then." Why wouldn't the ones, twos, and threes working together out there to try to win the game? I think that's a good question. If that's the scenario, right? If that's the situation that mm-hmm. was happening, if they were, if the twos and threes were preparing to have significant playing time, yeah, if they were ready, why not bring them in? I don't know. I don't know, Spectre. I think you bring up a, a really good question there. All right, on to the Bammer game. See you guys. Thanks, Spectre. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Speaking of twos and threes, we did see Malcolm Johnson Jr. out there. And I can't remember the last time I saw him out there. So there might be a, I don't want to go 10 full hat conspiracy guy here, but there might be. Here come little, the aliens. Uh, little, I can yeah, see them. Here's the black helicopters coming over Jordan <laughs> Air Stadium. But I have not seen, you know, he, he was throwing a ball that 
quite frankly, if Cam Coleman had been running that route, I think he'd have gone up and got. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of that, I know we're going to get into more of the offensive, defensive side of things, but man, huge recruiting weekend. Have you Have you seen the updated list of the recruits that are going to be here this Saturday? It is I was talking to our good friend, uh, Christian Clemente, friend of the show over at Auburn 247, uh, the other day, and I mean, he's, he's stressing a little bit, but just how many people are going to be here that he, you know, he keeps up with all of that, and I mean, it, it's one of the biggest lists Auburn has seen here in a long, long time. You know, after the debacle Saturday night, Jacob, and in complete uh, transparency, I have uh, not had enough time trying to digest and figure out and break down what happened Saturday night to and then moving into the Iron Bowl and try and break that down and then and then also get into uh, the recruiting. I will ease into that on Friday, but I do know this. There are a pile, a boatload whatever, of big what, whatever time adjective names you coming to put. town. And I bet that there's going to be a couple that even aren't on the list right now that are going to be here also. And when, when those names come out, folks are going to be blown away. Well, you have a handful that are official visits, including Bryce Kane, uh, who is already an Auburn commit. There's multiple Auburn commits already going to be here uh, this weekend. And then uh, Cam Coleman's going to be here this weekend. Perry Thompson's going to be here this weekend, who's already committed. Um, You have some of the biggest Auburn commits are already going to be here trying to help bring in other guys like a Cam Coleman, like a K.J. Bolden, who will also be here. I mean, that's why it's so important to get as many people committed and on board early as possible. Alabama's done this for years, and then it's not just the coaches or the staff or whomever's recruiting. Those commitments who are coming are also recruiting also. Exactly. And so uh, we can get into more of that on Friday as well as the list continues to get updated. But if there are big names and Auburn is in, in in the running somewhere, they're going to be here. I'm just going to let you know. They're going to be here. And that is why it is so important for Auburn fans to not give up, to not cash it in, to not say, well, I'm not going to watch that team. They can't even beat New Mexico State. Why would we go to the Iron Bowl and watch them get beat by 50 by Alabama? That's a horrible mindset. Horrible you know, mindset. I haven't heard a lot of that, though. And I haven't goodness. either. I think people uh, are still a little bit stunned and shocked from what happened Saturday night and what better way to kind of – get out of that malaise and feeling than, you know, your old friends from Western Alabama riding over to Tuscaloosa to try and uh, to try and go ahead and finish you off. So, yeah, I think Auburn fans are uh, – I can feel it, Jacob. I think we're slowly turning the page here and we're going to really be up for this game. Which is a good thing. I'm glad that we're – and hopefully we, you and I, in this show and this station are a part of that and hopefully we can be uh, something that – helps turn the page on this Wednesday like Spectre was talking about. This is typically through a game week when we start forgetting about the previous game and start working on the next game, and that's what I want to do here on a Wednesday afternoon. You start looking at this game, Auburn-Alabama, the Iron Bowl, right? You look at the historical side of this matchup, and... It's just it's it's just such a fun game, no matter when teams are good, bad, whatever. Yeah, each team has their blowouts here and there, and Alabama's had more of those in the recent years. But overall, this is just a it is a dogfight. It's the best rivalry in college football. I don't care what anybody else says. Um, it is the best rivalry, not just in college football, I think in college athletics, and it's up there with any of the biggest rivalries in sports. I mean, Auburn, Alabama everybody watches the iron bowl when it's on tv on the radio whatever 
My friends in Ohio, my people in Ohio watch this game because it's right after the Ohio State-Michigan game. They make sure they're in front of a TV with the radio on, whatever, when the Iron Bowl comes on. Well, it's a game when I was younger watching uh, and being part of that I almost dreaded because it's, it's worse to lose this game than to win it, okay? Over the last couple of years since Nick Saban got to all, uh, Alabama in late 2006, I think uh, I think minus 2010, which was the epicenter of intensity, in my opinion, for this rivalry, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for crying out loud, it got so bad that somebody came to town and poisoned the environment. I mean, literally. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was at the, that was the absolute height of it. But for the most part, since Saban's gotten here, I think that the not the play on the field, the intensity level has come down any. But, you know, he's done a very good job of not making it personal. And Auburn people for a very long time felt like Alabama, the game was personal. Some of the Cal College comments, some of the comments from Gene Stallings, like when he got – got to Alabama, you don't lose four games to Auburn. Nick Saban's never been like that because he wants to treat every game the same, and he definitely doesn't want to give anybody any chalkboard material. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the game itself, uh, fans have been fans for years, but the game itself, even going back to when I was younger as a Legion Field, has always been a very cleanly played game. You don't see any kind of like the old Miami versus Notre Dame, Catholics versus convicts, fights pregame. There's nothing nothing like that. These guys know each other. The majority of the players, at least back in the day, all played high school to get high school football together or against one another. These this rivalry goes back uh, generationally, and and it goes back through bloodlines. There's house divided. I live in a house divided now. So, you know, a, as I've gotten older and more mature, I don't put such an emphasis on this game, but it is still very important. And I'm with you. The Auburn Alabama game, the Iron Bowl rivalry in football, is one of the greatest rivalries in sports. Man, it's so funny because growing up. You know, I grew up in the North for most of my time, but I'm a lifelong Auburn fan. And I was born down here. My you know, Half my family's Auburn. My dad was Auburn. He's the reason that I, I am where I am. But I would always be down in Alabama for Thanksgiving and watching the Iron Bowl. And my family would all get together, 20, 30 of us, and it was split right down the middle, right? I mean, right down the middle. Half was Alabama, half was Auburn. And it got to the point where you were talking about sort of the nastiness and stuff on the field that we didn't see a whole lot, it got to the point in our family where it wasn't getting just nasty, but it was getting it was getting chippy. it was getting chippy. And we this has been probably I mean it's probably been ten years now because we were not all together for the kick six. We had to finally just say, look, we love each other, we love you as family, but and this was a mutual thing. We're like we just got to watch this thing at separate houses, man. It's getting it's getting bad, right? Because it would just get, and that was during the time when Auburn went on a, a huge win streak against Alabama too. When I was young, growing up, and so, yeah, man, that's that's where we are as a family. We watch Alabama folks are together. We're all together for Thanksgiving, and then after that, we got to split for a couple of days. That's just where we are, man. And that's but that's where this rivalry is. It's it's just so special to so many people. And everybody has different stories on who sure. they're with and the, and how they saw and watched and heard all these different events. Yeah, the win streak that you're referring to uh, prior to Nick Saban's first win at Alabama at home in 2008 in Tommy Tuberville's last year was a six-game winning streak yep. 
for Auburn, and it was a miserable, miserable time for Alabama fans in this state. I was here. I was in the heyday of that. Um, I was not alive for the nine-game losing streak that Bill – well, I was alive, but I wasn't an Auburn fan then for part of that that Bill Cameron and the generation before us had to endure during the 70s, equally if not worse and more depressing and miserable. I mean, it's just been crazy. There's been bow over the top. There's been wrong way bow. There's been the kick. There's been the kick six. There's been Jarrett Holmes' kick. There's been the reverse, which is – Personally, my favorite football game of all time. I've watched the 1986 really? okay. Iron Bowl over and over and okay. over again. And, you know, I know that's odd. I mean, in 1993, uh, a, a guy from uh, Atala, Alabama, came off the bench and heaved a 50-yard bomb that nobody saw coming to Frank Sanders. I mean, the next year, uh, I mean, there was a bad spot in Legion Field that killed an Auburn comeback. I mean, if you've ever thought or imagined just about anything happening in a football game it's happened in the iron bowl Mm -hmm. since night i mean since my i started watching it in 1982 so don't be shocked though don't be shocked if something crazy that you've never seen before happens again this saturday just to add to that tradition here's the thing though we talk about that winning streak the six game winning streak under tommy tuberville since that winning streak was snapped in 2008 Auburn's only won this game four times. That's it. Since 2007, their last win in the Iron Bowl, Auburn has won this thing four times. 2010, when they went to the national championship and won it. 2013, when they went to the national championship and lost it. 2017, when Auburn handled the number one teams in the country. And then 2019, when they did it again against Alabama in what was a crazy game that had a pick six, you had a doink on a field goal, all types of stuff. But that's the problem and I think a lot of Auburn fans are having is this has been a dominant run by Alabama, and understandably so. Look who's coaching on the other side. Oh, no, no question. And you, about you've it. you've dropped the stat a couple I mean, of I times. I can give you all the numbers you want right, right here. I mean, since he became the head coach at Alabama, he's had two hundred and four wins and twenty eight losses, six national championships, eight SEC championships, and eleven wins over Auburn while we've had five, I believe. And you said what, Auburn has seven different head coaches in a in a time span? Since two thousand seven, Auburn's had seven total coaches, two being interims, hundred and thirty two wins, eighty five losses, one national championship and two SEC championships, five Iron Bowl wins. But guess what, Jacob? That's just about as good as anybody, if not the best, has done against Nick Saban since he's been at Alabama and since he hit the tarmac in, in late 2006. Yeah, well, we'll talk about what Auburn has to do to beat Alabama. We'll start getting into that conversation when we come back. And reminder, at 3.30, Austin Hannon, our Alabama beat writer for Alabama or for Bama Central, the Sports Illustrated site, he will join us on the phone lines as he does every Wednesday coming up at 3.30. So that's all here on ESPN 106.7 for the Wednesday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 online at espnau.com or on the espn 1067 app back inside the auburn plaza bar and lounge studio here on the wednesday edition of on the line he's uncle t-bone i'm jacob goins with you on espn 1067 got a few minutes before we take our bottom of the hour break and we'll have austin hannon of bama central join us on the phone lines our usual wednesday guest here on rivalry wednesday and no better week to have him on than the iron bowl week as auburn taking on alabama hosting alabama this saturday at jordan hare stadium 
Uncle T, let's start getting into some of the logistics here. Let's start breaking this thing down a little bit because Alabama, the number eight team in the country, 10 and one overall this season, undefeated in conference play. Their only loss was way back in week two against the Texas Longhorns, who did some unspeakable things to Alabama there at the end of the game, right? But since then, it wasn't pretty there to start in the season because you remember that was at home where Texas came in and won that ball game by 10 and could have done it by more. No, no question. Then they go on the road to South Florida in the ugliest game I've seen Alabama play under Nick Saban maybe ever. And after that, they've turned it on and they've gotten better every single game. You know, Saban, uh, the thing about Texas was the Steve Sarkeesian matchup against Saban. He, he had given Saban fits the year before, too. I mean, he spent a lot of time in Tuscaloosa, so you know that's a that's a nice advantage for him. He he knows what's what. He knows the weaknesses. He knows how to exploit them. You know, can Hugh Freeze catch some of that magic that he had against Nick Saban a couple of years ago, where he knew some weaknesses and uh, and exploited them while he was at Ole Miss? You know, Specter hit on. Excuse me, J Mac hit on this a little bit earlier. Um, we need to see some wrinkles here offensively, beginning with I need to see some more motion. I need to see some more eye candy. Mm-hmm. I need to see some formations we haven't seen this year and some personnel in them that I haven't seen this year also that Alabama hasn't seen on film. And for years, for years, if you're going to get Alabama, you needed to uh, you needed to make plays. And when you made plays, you need to go fast. Don't mm-hmm. let them substitute. Don't yeah. let them catch their breath. Catch them, you know, make, make those guys come off and on the field and try and catch them in uh, penalty situations with too many men on the field. That is something that I think Hugh Freeze – all of those things can do, and it's not necessarily running the triple Lindy, you know, crazy play to try and try and catch somebody off guard with something you had. You can do all those things, and that's just fundamentally sound football. Yeah, and and here's the thing too is we've seen Auburn have some tempo later on in this season. I, again, I know it was Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, but we saw Auburn move with a little bit of tempo, and everybody talks about. You know, on the offensive drive, picking up that first first down, right? That's the that's the that's the mark. Once you get there, boom, it's time to go. Let's 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 you know, let's throw this thing in, in third gear and let's let's take off down the interstate, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen Auburn do that at times, but here recently, and especially last Saturday against New Mexico State, penalties have killed this team. Penalties and dumb penalties and what Lee Scott's head football coach Buster Daniel would tell me all the time. He says, "Is the penalties the middle penalties, right? The play, the penalties that are happening in the play versus the ones that happen outside, beginning or after the whistle, right? You can't have the ones before and after the whistle. You're going to have some that happen in the middle during the play, but man, Auburn's having way too many of those, right? The holding calls and the men downfield and the and the penalties that." don't really impact the play more times than not, but yet Auburn is getting themselves behind the chains, and this offense isn't good enough to make up for that. If Auburn is serious about winning this football game, and I know it's outside the normal protocols and old school, oh, I don't know, strategy, and they win the the toss, they need to take the ball. They need to take the ball, and they need to have a set about 10 plays ready to rock and roll and move the ball down the field and score some points and announce with authority that we are in this football game. Because there are – I'm saying it now, that's all going to change with the new rules. This deferring to the second half, you got to have as many possessions as you can have. 
And within those 10 plays, there needs to be something that's special that we can hit them with a big play and get that Jordan Hare crowd going. I'm with you, but let me go ahead and speak for a lot of our listeners who just said this verbally in their cars, their office, or in their garage. Yeah, but Auburn's just going to take the ball, go three and out, and then the possession's wasted, and Alabama's going to get the ball within the first you know, two you minutes. You can't go three and out. Right, I exactly. Mean, that's, that's the risk, right? But would you rather go three and out with the first drive of the very game of the game with scripted plays, would you rather take your chances with that or stopping Milrow, them moving the ball, punting, and pushing you back onto about the ten yard line? You know, I mean, it, it, it's a it's definitely up for debate. But the whole point of that is, if you're going to be serious, if you take the ball, you cannot go three and out. No, and look, you can go fast. You can hurry up and wait too. And that stops a lot of those penalties. You just don't have to run up there and hike it and go up the middle and run again and again. You can run up to the line Mm -hmm. and then start your play formation and then use the clock and not allow them to sub in and out and use that eye candy to not allow them to identify what you're doing. If they're not moving in motion and they're not shifting and they're not bringing people around for fake handoffs or handoffs, then then Alabama's just going to out-athlete us. Bottom line. That's that's a true point. And let me kind of add on to that. In the Arkansas game, Auburn wins that game 48-10. to 10. You know what they did with their opening possession? They scored. Yes. They scored a touchdown. They then got the ball back. You know what they did? They scored again. Then they did yep. it again. They put 21 points on Arkansas in the first 15 minutes of the football game. Now, the Arkansas defense is abysmal compared to Alabama and really just bad but, in general. You know, is it really? Did we not just see them three, four weeks ago go toe-to-toe with Alabama? We did. You know, would Hold people, that Alabama team to 24 is points. Is Auburn's defense abysmal because of what we saw last Saturday night? No, they've had a heck of a good year. They just had really, really bad nights. Yeah, and, and I think that's – also a point that has to be made and to follow up what you're saying which i totally agree with if you take the ball down there and you score and then you somehow get alabama three and out and you you take a punt like Keontae scott did at midfield and not necessarily run it back for a touchdown but get back in the red zone and put some pressure on them and then try and heave up a deep ball on a big play Mm -hmm. this thing's totally different and they're totally on the ropes early which is what's going to have to happen for Auburn to win this football game. This game is going to be played within the 20s. That's where this is going to be huge because you look at Auburn's defense, even with what's happened, they remain the best SEC red zone defense. They remain one of the best in the country, one of the best in the SEC in red zone defense. People may get down there, but they're not scoring a whole lot. And against Arkansas, they hardly ever got down there. Against Vanderbilt and Mississippi State, they didn't get down there a whole lot. And then the defense, thats this is the true definition of Ben, don't break. Now, I will say this. Alabama is going to move the football on this defense a little bit on Saturday. They just are. They've got too much talent and too much skill and too much of a good game plan for them not to move the ball on Saturday. But what Auburn has to do is create turnovers, make them stall out, even make them go for it on fourth and short around midfield and get those types of stops to help out your offense. And then offensively between the 20s, Auburn has to move the football because sometimes they don't and they get stuck in a rut and they don't even cross midfield. I, I, can't, I can't see us winning this game with any three and outs. You can't have many of them. I mean, you can't have can't more have than many. one. The over-under on the on three and outs better be one and a half, and you better be <laughs> under them if you're going to win this football game. You have got 
to at least get a cup every series a couple of plays. I'll tell you too before the coaches burn the tape of last Saturday. I hope they take a good look at what New Mexico State did to us and do the same thing to Alabama at times. They controlled the ball, and they hit the ball all over the field. They didn't just keep going to the same side of the offensive line, throwing the ball. They were rolling their quarterback out, which I'm not seeing near enough of of Auburn either. They were getting him away from pressure, and they were throwing to the left side of the field, the right side of the field, and the middle side of the field. That's what we think. Let's see what Austin Hannon has to say of Bama Central, our Alabama beat writer here on a Rivalry Wednesday edition of On the Line. He joins us when we come back. Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. He is Uncle T-Bone with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. As we continue talking in the Auburn and Alabama game, we're talking offense, we're talking defense on both sides of the ball and both sidelines, really. And... We were talking there, and I was sort of bringing up the, the, the play in between the 20s, right? In between the 20s where there's a good feeling that Alabama can move the ball, and, and that says more about Alabama's offense than it does Auburn's defense because I love this Auburn defense. I have shown them love all season long, and I think you and I were talking off the air the other day, Uncle T, that the defense on Saturday against New Mexico State, they didn't play perfect, but – they did their job for a while. The offense just couldn't do anything. And how many times did we see that in those bigger games against Georgia and A&M and LSU? I mean, that was that was the story a lot of times in those matchups. You know, the defense did a good enough job to keep Auburn in the game, albeit against New Mexico State, up until that fake punt that even Stevie Wonder saw coming. Yes. And, uh, I mean, there were uh, – uh, elderly women in my section five down there jumping up and down going fake fake watch the fake <laughs> I mean I was right there with them um, so the defense hung in there right you know I, I don't think that the defense came out a little intimidated and flat against LSU but other than that for the most part the defense has done its job this year it's up to the offense to give them a little help you know and so defensively I think Auburn's got to do several things in this game uh for Auburn to have an opportunity to, to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, and it starts with containing Jalen Milrow, which is so easier said than done. I thought you, you were going to say that was so easy, and I was like, hmm, no, no, I don't no, think no, so. No, no. That guy is playing lights out. He's a heck of an athlete. He's a playmaker. Uh, without him, I think all, Alabama has multiple losses on their schedule this Isn't year. Isn't it crazy that they're in the beginning of the year, they were uncertain if he was the guy or not? Isn't that crazy? Like, I know it's actions speak louder in, in, in hindsight's 2020 and all that mess but there was a point we were just talking about that South Florida game where Alabama didn't know who was their true starter and here we are Jalen Milrow playing some of the best football in the country and has Alabama on the outside trying to fight their way into a college football playoff yeah you know I think Nick Saban looking back at that I kind of agree with the Alabama folks with their little theory that why he sat on the bench for South Florida I think Nick Saban knew all along that he was the guy I think there was a raging debate within that coaching staff whether or not he was with the new offensive coordinator. And uh, Coach Saban sat him out there, uh, <laughs> sat him out in that South Florida game, 
and uh, proved to everybody why he needs to be the quarterback at Alabama. And he is uh, he has had a heck of a season. I think he's a good kid, and I like him. You know, it's hard to say that as a as a lifelong Auburn fan, but I'd be proud to have him on my team. So put yourself, Jacob Goins. Uh oh. Put yourself in Mr. Ron Robert's shoes, and you're now the defensive coordinator for Auburn University, and you're making. Oh, I don't know. About a million dollars a year doing so. Isn't that a pretty sweet gig? I like that. I, I yeah, don't think I I'd be like here. that too. Yeah, I'd be wherever you need me to be, right? <laughs> How do you contain Jalen Milrow, Coach Goins? If it were me, I think the thing that has been proven so far this season, the thing that has been proven this season from other SEC teams against Jalen Milrow is to get pressure on him. Get to the quarterback is something that – when you get to him, because we've looked and seen this offensive line for Alabama. I think they've gelled and gotten better, but over the past couple of years, they have not been what they usually are and what they have been in the past, right? They don't have a bunch of NFL guys on that offensive line right now. They're talented, but they're not all going to be playing on Sundays. And so in my opinion, Jalen Milrow can throw a really good deep ball and can scramble when he needs to. And I think he has made plays, especially in that LSU game, giving credit there, where he was able to make tough throws on slants and crossing routes and off to the mm-hmm. sideline. Whatever it was, he was able to make some throws. I don't think that those defensive backs, real quick, that were playing at LSU in that game are as talented or good as Auburn's defensive backs because they had several injuries in the defensive backfield. So they he had some more open receivers than I think he'll have Saturday. Correct. and On those type routes. Correct. And so where I'm going with that – is make him make those throws. Make him challenge Keontae Scott and Jalen Simpson, right? Make him go after the Nehemiah Pritchett and those types of guys who are playing in the backfield. And this Auburn defensive front has got to get home. They have got to get to Jalen Milrow and make him make a play, right? And he very well might make a play. He very well might do so. But make him do it time and time and time again Don't let them run the football. I think that's something they will try to do, but I think Auburn's been a pretty good rushing defense this year. But to contain Milrow, I think you got to come straight up the gut because if you try to come around the edge on him, what's he going to do? Straight up the middle. And he's going to outrun a lot of your guys unless you you have a spy on him somewhere. But that's what I do to contain him. I come right up the gut. I bring a linebacker or two, maybe even a blitz off the edge. You've got to get to Jalen Milrow or else he will have a field day on you at Pat Dye Field at Jordan-Hare Stadium. you got to be real careful with him if he gets to the edge. He's going to scamper down the sidelines and make you pay for it. My belief is that you have to keep him in the middle of the field when he's running the ball. You have some help there with other players. You cannot come hard off the edge, upfield fast, thinking you're going to Lawrence Taylor, this guy. Yeah. You've got to come, and you almost got to stay stood up, right? You mm-hmm. can't – you got to you, – you, you come and, and hit and see where he is and then just kind of scatter out. And uh, because if you're bringing pressure and you're bringing heavy, heavy pressure and you didn't don't get home – He's gone. Yeah. He's gone. The the spy who I think in this game, no matter what, should not be Larry Nixon. It should be Eugene Asante. He's athletic enough to uh, run with Milrow from the majority of the game. I think he's one of your most athletic defenders, and he's got the tackling ability and the strength because Milrow is a beast. But if he gets to the edge, he's gone. Yeah, and and that's the thing for this Auburn defense is they're going to have to not give up the big play, don't give up the deep ball. Chris Gordy talked about that back in the first hour. 
Don't give up the big play and just hang on, man. Hold on. But you know what's even more important? And we'd love to get your thoughts. 334-321-1390. What's more important for this defense is they've got to get some help. They have to get some support from the other side of the football, from the other group of guys on this team, also known as the offense. They have to put points on the board and give this defense something to defend. Give them something to fight for other than just the love of the game because that's only going to go so far. It's only going to go so far in this game if the defense is getting whooped and the offense is not doing anything about it. If the defense is holding their own and forcing a turnover or two and stopping them on third down and stopping them on fourth down and containing Jalen Milrow and sacking them all over the yard – and they look up and there's a whopping zero on the scoreboard. That, yeah. They're, they're going to be done. They can't do that for four quarters on no, the T-Bone. No, 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 It's That's asking, I mean, the 85 Bears break eventually right under that. Scenario. Right. So I'm, I'm with you on that. That's the classic saying that that uh, uh, your best defense is a healthy offense, right? But let's get back into you being the defensive coordinator here. How do you limit this guy from hitting you with these deep balls? Because that is a sure enough weapon for Jalen Milrow in Alabama just you've seen it all year yeah well I mean it gets back to getting pressure on him right if you can get to him and not allow him to sit back there for five six seven eight seconds and just let his talented receivers get open then you have a chance and unfortunately I think to get pressure you're gonna have to bring some more guys and what does that mean it means your guys on the back end are playing a lot of one-on-one and at that point you're taking your chances, right? You are taking your chances with your guys playing one-on-one, and you're hoping that more times than not, your guys win that battle more than they do. But having to guard... You got to do it. Jermaine Burton and Isaiah Bond, who are the go-to receivers, they double up everybody else's receptions this year for Alabama. You have to stick with them, man. And, And look, you... You want to have some help for them, right? You want to be able to drop a safety back and have him back there and help and coverage and protection and go one way or the other. But you just got to trust your guys. And look, they're going to get there sometimes. Yeah, put them on an island. And I like Auburn's chances in that. I think Auburn's DBs, we've talked about this all year. I think they're some of the most talented in the SEC. But at that point, make a play. Don't get caught in pass interferences or holdings down the field. And just win your battle. Win your battle, and hopefully by that point, your defensive front, your linebackers have gotten to the quarterback, and he's not allowed to step up there and throw a deep ball where the guy's running wide open. Just like we talked about, the offense needs to have different personnel, different formations, different shifts. I think you've got to do what you just said and go back into zone and mix it up from time to time throughout this game. If you stay in straight man the whole game, these coaches will figure out a way at Alabama they're smart enough to get a guy open. I do believe you come out playing a lot of man. Nothing against Alabama's receivers right now. They're top-notch athletes, but are they the Jalen Waddle uh, uh, bandits of four from a couple of years ago that right. you could not cover no. one-on-one? No, you Those couldn't. guys are all in the NFL or were. Right, so you, you've got to mix it up. You got to get into some zone, and you got to try and uh, and you got to disguise it when you're doing it, and you got to make Jalen Milrow think. Right, they're in man, but we're really in zone, or they're in zone, but they're really in man. There are two teams in the SEC I want to compare defensively and get your thoughts on that when they played Alabama. One had some serious success about against him, and that's Arkansas, uh-huh. and one did not. Whatever LSU did, don't do that. <laughs> 
<laughs> so what yeah. did Arkansas do? And there's plenty of tape for this coaching staff to look over this season. What did Arkansas do that gave Alabama some problems? Yeah, well, let me start by saying, yeah, whatever LSU did, just don't even look at don't that film. It. And it, look at it and say, we're not doing that. Right. It still baffles me the fact that LSU defensively is so bad. Like they are just bad, man. They they and yeah, and it's it. not like they don't have talent down there. Give me no. a break. Yeah, exactly. They've got talent on that side of the football, and you hate it for Jaden Daniels. Who, if this team had a defense, that team would be undefeated. They'd be going to Atlanta, and they'd be in the conversation for a national championship, and for Jaden Daniels to be a Heisman Trophy winner. But defensively, for Arkansas against Alabama. They just made it uncomfortable. Look at Milrow's numbers on the game. He was 10 of 21. A, they only threw the ball 21 times, so Alabama went in wanting to run, right? They ran it 42 total times. That's with Jalen Milrow running at 11. He just made some plays in this football game. But they came in wanting to run the ball with Jace McClellan, who had 16 carries, but just didn't hardly get anywhere. Had 83 yards, and Alabama wanted to establish the run. Milrow, 10 of 21, through the air, had 238 for two touchdowns. He averaged 11 yards a throw. It was the big plays. Arkansas, big plays. Arkansas gave up a couple of big plays on a couple of touchdowns, and when Alabama was backed up in their, in their own five-yard line a couple of times, the Hogs couldn't finish and get home. But the things they did well was they stopped the run, and they didn't let Jalen Milrow just – fly it all over the yard but he made plays when he had to and so I think if Auburn can try to do what they did in this game you know how many sacks Arkansas had in that game five the five that's spot on Arkansas had five sacks in this game you're going to need five Saturday if you're going to have a chance in this game yeah you are and again that all comes back to what I said you have to get pressure make it uncomfortable because is Jalen Milrow is he Tua no. Is he Jalen Hurts? No. But he's good enough if you give him time. And here's what I always say in football, Uncle T-Bone. You can make any quarterback look like Tom Brady if you give him eight or ten seconds in the pocket. No, no doubt about it. Because a defense in the back end can only defend for so long. Especially if, if, if our guys are having to go one-on-one. I don't care if it's Daryl Rivas back there. He can't cover that long. It's just not possible. Things happen. Crazy things happen. Guys get open, and things break down defensively before they do offensively, and Auburn has to get to the quarterback, and a five-sack day for this defense like Arkansas did, yeah, you're having a pretty good day. I mean, Jalen Hurts a heck of a quarterback, Jacob, but I can remember him coming as a national championship quarterback right into Jordan-Hare Stadium in 2017, and all of those things that we just talked about Auburn did to him, and he had a terrible day. He had a terrible day, and Auburn took care of business in that football game. So that would be a, a, the type of game plan. Also, you'd like you got to look back in history, and you got to come up with some strategies here. What has worked against Jalen Hurt type quarterbacks in the past for Auburn? What has worked from other teams around the SEC when they play? Uh, Jalen Milrow or Jalen Hurts and actually had some success. You know, you don't have much time to game plan and put anything in new, but that's a great strategy there. Jalen Hurts in 2017, rough day, try and make it the same way for Jalen Milrow. And I'll tell you another thing that I saw Saturday were the missed tackles. Oh, my gosh, Auburn must – they yes. must gang tackle Alabama in this. Alabama's a physical team, and they're very fast, and you're going to have to get there in mass and stop them. Can you feel it? 
Oh can boy, you feel here we it? Go. Here we go. I can feel it. We're getting closer and closer to Saturday, and this guy wants to talk about it as well. Brandon, we're going to get to you on the other side as we wrap up the Wednesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Don't go anywhere. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines really quickly. Brandon from North Alabama, you're on the line, man. you got a couple of minutes. What's up? Yeah, um, no, I was just saying, uh, you know, listen to you guys. I, I, I'm not sure I'm feeling – the more y'all talk, probably the less confident I'm, I'm feeling about it. Uh-oh. And, uh, and, and the reason I say it, it's not a shot against you guys, but as we rehash kind of the way the season's gone – I feel like our defense could play everything perfect, uh, keep the guys underneath, have somebody to kind of mirror um, Melrose and uh, try to prevent him from the deep threat running or passing. But then we still got to figure out a way to score. Right. And when you talk about LSU and how inept their defense is, and, and as we recall how inept we were against that defense mm-hmm. offensively, I'm sure we've had our moments against some of these lesser talented teams. Um, I think I think there's going to be some. I still think there's going to be some hangover from Saturday. Um, I hope I'm totally wrong. I mean, I feel like the uh, you know the momentum and all that's going to you know is definitely on our side. All this hype about celebrating the fifth anniversary of the kick six, and I'm not so sure some of that doesn't play into. Saban's motivation as well. It could, uh, yeah. Just, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, but, you know, it was just last Saturday, you know, for for an F5 tornado to hit, it has to be perfect atmospheric conditions, and an F5 tornado hit in Auburn Saturday because it was just the perfect conditions for something like that to happen. And right. I, I felt like we were going to not play well, and I knew we were going to struggle, but I don't think anybody saw that coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I just really think it's hard to tell how we're going to respond this week against the, you know, the biggest game of the year for us. Yeah, and that's the thing, Brandon, is that's what we're going to find out. We're going to hear how this week went at practice, and we're going to find out what Hugh Freeze is made of, what this coaching staff is made of, and what this team is made of as well, and how they come out and play and respond on Saturday in the Iron Bowl. Brandon, we appreciate you calling in, man. Great to hear from you. All right, thanks a lot. That's Brandon up in North Alabama. I always love hearing and getting some love up there in my hometown and where I grew up, where all my family is. Uncle T, what do you have to say about that? I mean, Jacob, believe it or not, I've had a couple of hangovers in my life, and the good news is they do end. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes yeah. the best way for them to end is just to get right back in the mix. There so, you go. I mean, okay. the Iron Bowl That's Saturday, one way to do you it. can't afford to be hungover. Just go ahead and get a little bit of uh, – uh, uh, hair of the dog, and let's uh, let's lock the gates over at Jordan Hare Stadium and see what happens in this Iron Bowl. I mean, I know Nick Saban's a master motivator. Don't be scared to throw that 2013 around. I've seen Nick Saban on the sidelines look like he's shivering. Mm-hmm. And he's coaching tighter than Lane Kiffin does against him. He's four and four, folks, in Jordan Hare Stadium as Alabama's coach. 0-3 at LSU. The guy does not have a good record here. Throw it up in his face and make him think about it. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, we were having this conversation, uh, what, yesterday or Monday about what 
Auburn was going to do for motivation, right? Who Hugh Freeze was going to bring in to talk to the team with former players and whoever, Auburn alumni. You do what you got to do. I don't really care what you do. You can use the kick six. You can use um, you can use former players. You can use 2013 in general. I don't really care. You can use the New Mexico State game for all I care. That's right. As motivation. Well, that but, ought to be used for motivation going forward with this program. Uh, yeah, I was about to say, don't not even in this game. No, not even. We... There could be a moment, Uncle T-Bone, there could be a moment five, ten years down the road when Hugh Freeze and Auburn have turned this thing, and this is a big what-if, my favorite game in the world, oh, the what-if I love game. the what-ifs. I love it. What if ten years from now Auburn has turned this thing around, they're going on win streaks, they're competing and maybe winning national championships, and you walk into the Walto's football performance facility over on campus, and up there is a mural with the final score, New oh, Mexico State over Auburn, and that may be... Something that turns this thing around. I don't know. That's how you motivate. People. I don't know. Very well. It that th- would motivate me to get in that weight room. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you can look back and say, remember when that happened, right? Remember when that embarrassment happened in Jordan Hare? And I'm not saying that Auburn's going to win this Saturday. And you, and that's not what we're sure. looking for. You're looking for the win, sure, but that's not what real. Auburn fans are looking for you're looking for a turnaround in this thing man you're looking for a team that comes out who gives a damn and wants to play and wants to play for Auburn and that's where I come from here that's where I come from is that's what I feel like I can speak for a lot of Auburn fans there that just want to see this team play compete and want it and want it for Auburn and give the fans back into this thing right here at the tail end of it yeah, I'm with you. I mean, what I want to see Saturday in the Iron Bowl, and we'll talk about this more on Friday. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, and we hope you have a safe uh, holiday, and it's a lot of fun. We'll be back Friday to talk more about the Iron Bowl. But what I want to see Saturday is Nick Saban on the sidelines looking like uh, he needs a little more Rogaine, right, and just uh, hugging himself because it's a tight ball game and anybody's ball game. And if that happens, then I think you've done just about everything you can do and possibly win this season as he said no shows tomorrow happy thanksgiving spend it with your friends your family watch a bunch of football and basketball we'll be back here live on friday the day before the iron bowl two to four right here on espn 1067 happy thanksgiving he's uncle t-bone i'm jacob goins until next time stay safe and i'll talk to you later